Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. I asked him, why were you crying? He said, man, for you, for you. He has the biggest heart. This is a good day. It's taken me nearly two hours to get from Douglas to Blackpool. If you walk Patrick Street, you'll people in doorways and they're shouting at you, fighting with each other out of their tree. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 97fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ yeah, if we get any more information on that situation down at Kennedy Key, we will bring it to you, of course. The emergency services at the scene, fire service, Gadi were alerted. Fire crews from Anglesey Street search operation is ongoing. And beyond that, we have nothing official to tell you. Uh, a car seen going to the river halfway down Kennedy Key just after half past six this morning. So anything else that we get from that, we will bring to you over the course of the next few hours. Thank you to Gareth for yesterday. You're lovely, all of you. Do you know that? The number of lovely messages I had and just wishing her well and wishing us well in dealing with her because I don't mind telling you, I'm a small little bit. Just a little, I'm grand-like, but I'm just a little bit bereft this morning. I passed her bedroom as I was coming out of the house and I looked in and there's normally chaos. Chaos! Like you threw a grenade into the hanging place. She made her bed yesterday morning before she left and Ah Do you know? But I'll be fine. She is in for those of you interested, I know a lot of people have been will, will probably follow it vicariously through me. She and uh, her her fabulous young man Ian, they are in Hanoi this morning and they're starting a, a holiday before they head off to their new jobs in Australia. And I will miss the hell out of her. I missed the hell out of her already, but uh, you know. You know yourself, you gotta do it. You gotta give them wings and let them fly. Anyway, good morning, no more of that nonsense. It's Thursday, the 11th of January. I will never, ever, ever again give a tip to a person in any other way other than in cash into their hand. Never. Uh, over Christmas, when you're out having a few drinks or a few uh, bits of grub, I'll always tip the server if we're out. Christmas Eve, which we like to do, I would always try to be as generous as possible um, with a, a server on on Christmas Eve. But never will I give a tip electronically, or never will I give a tip through my bill. After I read um, about this new payment of wages amendment, tips and gratuities nonsense which they put up in front of us to say that this was to make sure everybody got a share of the tips at guff because if it, if you give someone and tip electronically now it goes through tax and prsi so this is a revenue grab john brennan hotel you john brennan good morning to you 
Good morning, AJ. How are you today? I, I very well, sir. I, I thought that this was just a way to make sure everyone got a fair share until I read what you've been saying. This has got to go through yeah. the till, got to go through the books, and will be taxed. Correct. And it, 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 the reason um, staff don't get tips is because of bad employers. So there's more than one way to skin a cat. What really annoys me about this legislation is that it has been cloaked in a comment that we want to put the money in the hands of the of the people who should receive it. Yeah. And that's the really bit that gets up my goat. Because if there's a good employer, there's no question the money goes into the hand of the uh, staff who get it. That's what it is given for. It's not a revenue for the for the property. It is a gratuity and a means of gratitude from the customer to the team. And the team also include the kitchen who cook your dinner, and that's an internal, usually run by the head of department or the departmental manager, not generally run by the property itself. I've never got involved in departmental tips. Um, so they divide it up on a point system, generally speaking, across the industry between themselves. Yeah. What this legislation does, and there's there's two parts to it. One is there's a workplace relations um, um, com- um uh, the workplace relations um, state that they have to go into the hands of the staff and then revenue say that if the money goes through your electronic credit card machine, it is technically a revenue for the company. Yeah. So it has to be accounted for uh, as such. And then but it, it gets much worse than what you think it does. All right? <laughs> then the tip goes into the department's and, um, it, it tip distribution system within the company. And then the company has to pay 8% PRSI oh, on top of the tip. Oh, God. So it's just, it's a nightmare from start to finish. And it's like saying the speed limit is 60 miles an hour, or 100 kilometers an hour in today's language, um, and um, someone is braking it, so we're taking cars off everyone. And it is absolutely wrong. And we've had various long discussions with Revenue about it and saying, listen, this is absolutely wrong. They said, sorry, it's a company transaction. The credit card machine is registered to your company. It is a, it is revenue for the company and it must be accounted for. And therefore, it has to go through wages. And then the government take whatever the percentage um, 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 tax is for the individual off it. Um, you, you pay your um employer's PRSI on top of that. So it's actually costing the company money for you to give a tip on the card. But more importantly, the the employee at the end of the day is probably only going to receive about 50% of what was given on the table and the rest is given in tax. So it really gets up me goes when they say it's putting money, it's not. This is doing nothing but ensuring that the revenue is taking their share of tips left for staff. That's all it is. So let me put this, let's make this clear. So I am very happy with my dinner and when the pay machine comes down, I put in, say, put in an extra 20 quid. Um, Now, if that's going to be distributed among staff, that's another discussion. But I put the extra 20 quid in there. That becomes not the tip for the staff, but revenue for the company, which would be taxed. And if the, if the staff even see half it, they'd be lucky. No, 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 no. The staff in, in a properly run company, the staff will absolutely see half it. But the half, the other half is going to the revenue. If this, if, if in a, in a, in a, a fair society and a fair system, 100% of that gratuity left on the credit card machine would be given to the staff. I see. Now, but because I, it has to go through the, the wage system, you also, here's another thing for you now, hmm. the company also pays something in the region of 1% to 1.5% credit card commission on the oh, transaction. God. Now, you, you can say to yourself, oh, it's a small price to pay for the company. It is. But in a, in, in a country where we have an extremely high cost 
of doing business, every one and a half percent is enormous. Um, and these are costs added to businesses that are hidden under the carpet, but at the end of the line have a massive impact on a bottom line. And unless you have a good bottom line in a business, you don't survive. And we're seeing restaurants and cafes all over Indeed the country closing left, right and centre because they cannot make ends meet. And this is another thing that has been brought in um, that is ca- causing grief and cost to operation of a business that should not have any cost to the business whatsoever. It is it is a, a, an unsolicited gesture on behalf of the customer to say, listen, guys, thanks very much. We enjoyed that. And they should get it 100%. But because the system that has been um, put in place cloaked under the comment, we want to put the um, money to be ensured that the money goes back in staff hands, which is absolute rubbish, is actually putting 50%, up to 50%, mm. certainly over 40% in the hands of the exchequer as opposed to the hand of the employee. I'll come back to the, the cost of doing business in a minute, John, because I want to get your take on, yeah. the, on the situation. But let's stay with this for a second with regard to the tip. So if my server, I'm very, very pleased with my server and I hand them a 20 euro nil and they put it straight into yes. their pocket. That's one way of tipping. It's my preferred way, by the way. Correct. Then the other way is the, the, the bucket or the bowl or the box by the till, yes. which is a, ca- a tip a tip box or a tip bottle or whatever you call yes. it. Now, I don't like those, John. I'm not a fan of yeah. them because yeah. the young person, for example, when we were in, out for our lunch on Christmas Eve, we were served by a fabulous young person full of charm yes. and wit. And you could see them with a, f- a great future in the business. Now, I'm a generous yeah. tipper on Christmas Eve. I want them to have that. Which is yes. the best yeah, way, yeah. do you think? I would always leave money on the table. Always. Now, there is a there is a grey area, to be perfectly honest with you, because the service isn't all about that, that lad who served you. You could give him a fiver or tenner or whatever it should be and say, listen, that's for yourself, stick it in your pocket. But generally speaking, the tips within a restaurant are pooled and then they're divided either equally or on a point system between everyone who works in the restaurant. Now, in hotels, it's the same thing. I have never, ever in my life got involved in staff tips um, up until this legislation came in for the simple reason. It's a departmental um, issue and the, the manager in the restaurant and the head chef usually work out a system between themselves and they're all happy and they divide the tips between themselves. So it's rare and I probably would go far as saying it's probably not right that when you give an individual a tip for a general tip um, in a restaurant, there is a chef behind the scenes, there's a, a person who set up the table, the person who came in and cleaned that restaurant in the morning and there is also um, um, a wash up and all that in the kitchen. That's so there's a number of people involved in you having a good experience. The management and the ownership of the restaurant, in my mind, shouldn't get involved in or shouldn't take any of the tips. The tips should be 100% for the for the staff. But it probably is a, it is fair, I think, to divide that tip some degree between everyone in the restaurant as opposed to just an individual, unless you give it to the individual um, specifically and just say, listen, that's yours. Fair point and well made, John, and appreciate it. Now, let's come back to the cost of doing business. I had a man I'm sure you'll know well, Paul Trevo, uh, on with me the other yeah. day, and Paul made predictions. A shy, as, a shy, a shy individual. <laughs> as far back yeah. as last May, Paul made predictions that unfortunately are coming through. I'm sure you will have heard of, maybe even eaten in Cork's famous Tung Singh over the years. It yeah. is gone. When Tung Singh is going and other places are closing, I just saw another notification yesterday from Killarney of a place that won't be reopening. We're in trouble, yeah, John. Yeah. What's going on? Yeah. 
It's just the cost of doing business. A couple of years ago, we had a Taoiseach coming into office who said we wanted to be in the best country in the world for small business. It is the direct opposite. It's extremely, extremely difficult um, to make ends meet in Ireland in business at the minute. There are a number of things which aren't palatable to the listener um, because it flies in the face of a public opinion. But at the bottom line, it impacts on, on, on revenue and it impacts on bottom line and profit. And unless you make profit, you don't stay in business. So, for instance, one little small thing, okay? There was an introduction of a new bank holiday last year. We're yeah. in our second year of it now. That cost me, in, our, in the businesses we owned, €28,000. Really? Now, no one, no one believed that that day cost anyone anything. And the government, and I'm not anti-government, the government were extremely good to the hospitality industry in COVID. And I think there was no other country in the world that looked after um, the hospitality industry, our general industry, as well as the Irish government did in COVID. So don't think I'm anti-government, generally speaking, I'm not. But that introduction of a bank holiday came in and everyone was thrilled, delighted, fantastic, another bank holiday. At a time of the year when no one wants it, early February, everyone is stone broke um, after Christmas, so there's no huge commercial activity to be generated out of it. But everyone gets double time on a... On a um, um, a bank holiday. So actually in cost points, it costs us €28,000. Now €28,000 in my world renovates a bedroom. It does something that puts money back into the economy through buying stuff locally and it made round to go around and it keeps our business alive because it keeps us refurbished. That's one room less that we can refurbish every okay. year. It's something that you can't do but it's, it's money off a bottom line that no one appreciates whatsoever. Another little example, last year, um, Fairy Liquid, which when you go into your restaurant and you had your lovely meal on Christmas Eve yeah. um, at lunch, you never believed that restaurant had to buy Fairy Liquid. It doesn't even come into a person's thinking. No. Fairy Liquid last year was costing us 28 euros, for 24 euros, I beg your pardon, for two drums. This year it's 16 euros for one drum. <laughs> so yeah. when, when you marry that through with a, and this is the really bit that really gets up the nose of the public, but unfortunately it's the truth, which with one of the highest um, minimum wages in Europe. Um, and I'm saying that not as a cost, from a cost of living we're not overpaid, don't get me wrong. Yeah. The problem is the cost of living in Ireland. But when, when people come back on, the, on your show and various other shows and say, listen, I was in Spain and we had a fantastic holiday, it's very easy to have a cheap holiday abroad because wages are about half what they are in Ireland. Mm-hmm. There is a and minimum wage we, there now, which they used to be. Yeah, but it's 6.90 or 8.90. Yeah. Like we, we're up onto 14.50 when you add in your employer's PRSI onto it yeah. um, and four days entitled sick pay, which is another cost to companies. Like all of these things are very, very worth, uh, honest. And is sick pay not the basic right of a worker, John? I beg your pardon? Is it not the basic right of a worker to be paid for a couple of days when they're off sick? It is, but it's a cost that has to come out of the business. I'm not arguing that point at all. Mm. You asked me about the cost of doing business. Yeah. All of these things add up. And where we're starting as in the hospitality industry where wages are 40% of your turnover. So you went into that restaurant, your bill was 100 euros, 40 euros of that, the employer pays out in wages. Okay. Yeah. Now, that is 50% more than what it is in our competing um, um, countries in Europe. So it's very easy to have a meal at half price if the wages are at half price when you come back from these um, um, countries where they are. In addition to that, there is a host of other things like VAT, which VAT, is another... yeah, for example. I mean, the, VAT, the appropriate VAT in Spain in some places is as low as 5 or 
Yeah, 10% on average across Europe in the countries that we would compete with um, would be 10%. So we're at 13.5%. In the far-flung reaches of the western coast of Europe, and we're, we're hit with, with costs above what the norm is across Europe. And it, is just, it just eats the whole time. And these little things that keep coming in, um, as I say, the four days sick uh, compulsory, which is going to go to... I think it's going to go to 10 in the next five years. And the extra bank holiday and the VAT at 13 and a half. And don't get me wrong, I repeat my belief, the government were extremely good and that 9% saved the industry. Mm. But that doesn't mean it has. we have to have a 3.3.5% penalty over our other European colleagues. In, in, it's particularly, if you can drive from Bantry or from um, Kinsale right up to the Inishowen Peninsula, and you will see, count on one hand, the number of big employers um, on that two and a half thousand mile route outside of tourism. Yeah, no, you're and completely right can, there. We cannot ignore the importance of tourism to rural area and these costs that have been brought in and in, in, inflicted on businesses with, with no discussion and no uh, uh, point. Like I can handle the cost of my fairy liquid or my washing up yeah. I can look for other things I can do that these are costs that you cannot handle that you have to just live with and they're against the norm of of our European colleagues and they're also inflicting costs that are, are inflicting um, payments to staff that otherwise would have got everything I have no time from and we've seen restaurants in Dublin where they were taking tips and putting it through the wages and boosting people's wages at, from tips that is 110% wrong okay yeah, yeah, I have yeah. no I'm not here defending bad employers and um, there's there's no point bringing well, to, in to be, to be fair John yourself and Francis yeah. over the years have had an excellent reputation as fine employers and well, you're, you're, you're only as good as the, the, the property that you run, and the property you run is 90%. Like every hotel in the country and every restaurant is only walls, a kitchen, and a roof. It's the people in it that make it. So if you don't look after the people in it, you don't have a business. Indeed. But it really annoys me that we are now in a situation where up to 50% of the tip is actually going to the government, where in our history, 100% of the tip would have always gone to the mall. And we've yeah. we've gone like we've put it into an educational policy over the years where we've gone on holidays, um, and we've brought our our team all over the world from Las Vegas to Cyprus I mean. to Dubai. That's, 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 and that's, that's great. Yeah. And I can tell you, just you can, you can relax because Hanoi a few years ago it was one, it was a fantastic city um, and spectacular food. So you don't be need worried about her now. Oh, I think she'll be. be I think she'll be fine. Yeah. I think she'll be fine. John, lastly, you offloaded the Lansdowne to, is yeah. it the couple called Aileen and Patrick? Do they have a connection there already? Did I read yeah, that yeah. somewhere? Yeah, it's a fantastic, yeah, a fantastic story. Patrick worked with, and myself worked together three or four times in the last 40 years. Um, he was born, bred and reared in the Lansdowne Hotel. He was of an age which he wasn't, I suppose, to be fair, he'll shoot me now for saying he wasn't mature enough to take on the hotel himself. His mum and dad wanted to retire and they sold the hotel. And I went through various different ownerships and then we managed to buy it in 2020. And he was the first person I phoned when I bought it to apologise to him because in my heart and in his heart, he should have always owned the Lansdowne. And it was a horrible um, twist of fate that he just wasn't in the position to buy it um, in 2020 um, or when take it over when his parents owned it and let it go in the early 90s, I think. Um, so we managed to buy it. We refurbished it. But I genuinely never really believed we should have owned it because Patrick was the rightful owner of it. And he's a great Kenmare man. He's managed the Park Hotel for us for three years. He managed Sheen Falls for a while. 
Um, he's done a thing in Dublin with me and he was assistant manager in the park in the past as well. So his history with Kenmare is I mean, immense. His knowledge of, the, 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 of Main Street is immense. And thanks be to God, we managed to do a deal with them. Um, and they took over last week and they deserve all the support they can possibly get. That's, that, that, that's fantastic. That's fan- yeah. It's a few years now They've since done. I was there. I stayed there a few years back and it's, it's, it's a lovely yeah. spot. It's a lovely spot. John, listen, the best to you and the best to, to Francis as well. You're not retired or far from it. No, far from it. We still have drunk winner. So any young couples looking to get married out there, we'll look at our old couples nowadays. It doesn't make any difference. We'll look after them all and we'll ensure any gratuitous they give will go to the staff. All right. Yeah. Get the plug in. Good man. John Rennan, thank you very much. Oh, wait, one, eight, 96, 96, 96. Never, ever, ever again will I use my card to tip. There's Anywhere when we go out at night for a bite, there's always one or the other of us will have a few quid in the wallet for a tip but never ever do not put your tip on your card because the chances are it'll go through the tax system and the tax man will get half it the government will get half it in other words 0818 so if you're going out for a bite to eat this weekend and you're planning to go somewhere take money take cash for a tip go to the hole in the wall get out some cash and take keep the cash for the tip because the only way from this day forward that you can make sure that the tip actually goes to the staff is give it to them in cash. 0818 96 96 96. Cork loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you the Arts House. Every Sunday on Cork's 96 FM. Hi, it's Elmarie. Join myself and Connor every Sunday morning to find out what's happening in the arts all over Cork. There's so much happening. Fantastic festivals with great events for all ages. And we'll tell you all about them. The Arts House. Sunday mornings, 8 to 10. With Griffin's Potatoes. For fantastic quality and great taste guaranteed. Choose Griffin's Potatoes. Herpings and Roosters. Corks 96FM. Join the conversation. Call us now. 0818 This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Corks 96FM. Like I said, I will never again use my card to act to to pay a tip because it there's every possibility that 50% of it or more will go to uh, the revenue. That's what John Brennan has been has been telling us. With regard to pooling tips, yeah, it's a fair point. The person cleaning the table might not be the same person who served you, might not be the same person who laid the table, but they also contributed to your nice evening out. I'll buy that. I like John's idea. Look, if you're going to leave money, well, leave money on the table, and if you want to give the server a couple of quid for themselves, then do that. If you're going to leave a tip of 20 quid, then be leave 10 on the table and give, if, if that person really impressed you, then, you know, put, put give them the tenor for, for themselves. I, I know the one place where I did seek that young person out, they'd done an exceptional job with my son. They treated my son really well and I wanted them to have the tip. So I sought them out and gave them a tip personally. Um, that's, that's, that's just how I roll. Um, with regard to the, the paid time off, I, I, I'd be in, or the sick pay, I'd be inclined to disagree with John Brennan there. I know it's a cost on the business. I do know it's a cost on the business. I appreciate what he says. But I think anybody who's working in a place, particularly if you're full-time, if you are sick, you're entitled to be paid for your day out or your day off. And and sending people to go through social welfare, so that's an old, that's 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 a lot of old hooey. Um, just pay them if they're off for a day or two sick. They've, they've given you enough on the days that they were well. My view, 
Others might not agree. 0818-969696. Kate, on the cost of, of going out. Good morning. Hi, I also agree with, agree with you there about the sick pay. Yeah. yeah. They should be given while they're out, especially if you have good staff and you want to hold on to them, you know? Yeah, you pay them while they're out. Yeah. You pay them while they're out, yeah. And um, I just want to say that um, maybe they bring down the decor a bit and have it all about the food in places. It will all make things more reasonable as well because we were away for four months and abroad. And the basic place, you know, you go to be basic, but the food was wonderful. That's right. You know? That's I agree right. with you there, actually, on. Kate. I yep, agree with you totally. If you go to a place and you eat out on your holidays, like, mm-hmm. it's it's kind of... The, the, the table and the chairs, you probably wouldn't even put on your own deck at home. It's really no. cheap and cheerful stuff. It's a paper okay. tablecloth held down with clips, but the food is food exquisite. Is absolutely exquisite. And it could be even on the beach, just cooked, you know. Like, it could be fish done on a barbecue on the beach. Just everywhere we went... There was no um, sort of uh, extravagance in the rooms, but yet the food yeah. was superb. There's another and point too, though. Pay, by the way, we always pay the person. They all, we always give the money into their hands. Always. There's another thing as well with regard to the preparation of food, which I think we do, we might forget here. Preparation of food in a kitchen in Ireland is subject to, they call it HACCP rules, really okay. strict rules. Right. Like there okay. were there were ways to cook it, like, like you said, fish or a bit of steak mm-hmm. straight off a, a barbecue, straight yeah. lifted off the barbecue and thrown onto the plate. I'm not sure you'd get away with that here. Do you know what I mean? No, but there was one place where they did all the steaks on this huge log fire yes. in the middle, in the centre of the restaurant. Isn't it fabulous? It you see that? Yeah. And, oh, my God. You'd never get away with that but, here. And you see, that's, that's, the, that's the pity, really, because the food is perfectly fine. In actual <laughs> fact, it's very well done. You did right. You, know? you did right. Okay. Take care. Mike. Take care, kid. Thank you Bye. so much. Cheers. Bye-bye. 0818 It's true, though. You know, you've sat outside a restaurant in, well, say, Lanzarote, Alcudia, many parts of Spain, France, wherever you've been. And you look, just think about the chair under you and the table in front of you. You know, they're, they're, they're cheap as chips. The plastic chairs, sometimes even sponsored by the local brewery, plastic chairs and tables. But the food they put on top of them is fantastic. Good call, Kate. Thank you. 0818-969696. Tim is in the catering trade and uh, says, if I treat my staff badly, I'd be reported, and rightly so. Now with the minimum wage, if I have a fellow who does F all all day, I still have to pay him. I've lost flexibility to increase or decrease, the, in, to, to increase the wage of the better worker slightly because it breaks my budget to pay more on top of the new minimum. Oh, thank you, Tim. And there's a thing that some people say, look, I don't have a problem with the minimum wage. I've had employer after employer after employer. I don't have a problem with the minimum wage, he says. But the guy who's paid two euros more than the minimum wage, he wants an up, he wants an uptick in his pay because the person on a minimum wage got an uptick in their pay. And that's something, that, you know, you can learn that. Too. That's another cost of doing business. It's one we're happy to go with because it's going to be, I promise me, or rather I promise you, and I, I don't want to be right on this, it's going to be a massive talking point of 2024. You've heard Paul Trevor's predictions from May 2023, which unfortunately are coming true. Um, we hope he's wrong, but I sense he isn't for 2024. Speaking of May, May the 11th is when Eurovision Song Contest 2024 takes place at Malmo in Sweden. The selection process for an Irish song has begun. I haven't heard any of them yet. Uh, there'll be the six of them will be shortlisted. 
six of them. I haven't heard them yet. I'll try to catch up with them at the weekend. But Olivia, you don't want um, you don't want us to go to Eurovision 2024, no. and you have a a, a a petition on Change.org for RTE to boycott it. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Um, yes, I have. Um, the re- I, I've started that petition as um, because I felt what was happening in um, Palestine, particularly in Gaza, with what Israel is doing, was reprehensible. And it appears that the um, European Broadcasting Union have applied double standards in allowing Israel to take part in that in February um, 2022, they precluded um, Russia on the grounds that the, their actions in Ukraine brought the competition into disrepute. Now, in um, in in Israel um, has in Gaza killed twenty three thousand civilians. Of those twenty three thousand civilians, two hundred thirty four a day over ninety days were children. Mm-hmm. That's one child killed every fifteen minutes. And in and at the moment, at the time we speak, um, Israel is facing a charge in the in the um, International Criminal Court of Justice in the Hague today of genocide. Yeah. Of genocide. Now, um, the the sad thing is, not only have the double standards been applied to the Eurovision, but the double standards have been applied to who is supporting South Africa in this um, in this motion because back in 2022 um, Ukraine brought a case to the ICJ mm-hmm. and the EU and everybody you know and, and, a, and a phenomenal number of countries supported it including Ireland yeah. yet again there's nobody support that Ireland has refused to support yeah um, this this claim, and despite there is another petition on change.org, and it's against genocide, 28,000 people signed that petition for the Irish government to act, you know, and look, there's no action. Come, come, back, so, come back to the contest. I appreciate the, the, the court's development. I heard about them early morning, yeah. but just come back to the, to the contest. And the, the, comparison, the yeah. comparison that you're making is, and you're correct, of course, in 2022, after the start of the Ukraine situation, Russia were not allowed to yes. participate. And now in 2024, mm. in the midst of what's going on in Gaza, Israel will be allowed. And you believe that's double standards by the Eurovision organisers? Totally. Okay. Absolutely double standards, yeah. I know that, I know that um, I can't, we can't do anything about what the EBU is doing, but RTE could stand proud and say, look, yeah. this is not in our name. I we might ask one on question. Basis. I might ask one question. I don't wish this to be an unfair one. But... Where Ireland or RTE or well, it's RTE on behalf of yeah. where's what where Ireland to say actually no we're not going it's not going to make a blind bit of difference to the outcome of the competition. It may not make a difference to the outcome of the competition. It's really a point of principle in that we're not seen to to condone what's going on there. I think asking Irish artists, asking people to sit in an arena with um, spectators from Israel waving Israeli flags, a country that is committing a very obvious massacre of people that is starving people is asking it's like asking us to go and sit in a, an arena with mm. people wearing swastikas during during the well, time in, of the yeah, it's not a comparison that I'm mean, fond of but it's one that's being made but with I, regard to the yeah. artists and and the writers and the producers who are submitting their entries and there are six entries being whittled they've whittled it down to a, a short list of six as I say I haven't heard any of them yet but they've been whittled so clearly the artists and the and the writers and musicians want to take part. Oh, yeah, that's well, the sad, isn't it? Because um, in Finland, the um, 
the musicians, um, there, there has been a petition from, of, music, of the musicians in Finland asking their country not to take part. And there is a big question mark. Finland, I think I've said, they will. They are still going through the process of choosing a song, but I don't think they're going to take part if Israel is still out in the competition at the very end. In Iceland, the Association of Composers and Lyricists has asked their country to boycott. And there, there have been calls for a boycott in Norway. Now, None of these people, if, if all of us just boycott, maybe it won't make any difference. But what it will make a difference to is Israel. In Israel, people in Israel will say, look, these countries have stood against it. They, it maybe they'll start questioning their actions. Yeah. We, cannot, we cannot condone it. You know, we can't condone what's mm-hmm. happening. It's, it's, it's just unconscionable. Let's see what people think about it, Olivia. Uh, thank you for that. Olivia O'Sullivan has started... A petition on change.org. It's got quite a number of signatures, a couple of thousand signatures already, calling on RTE to boycott or maybe pull out of Eurovision, which is in Malmo in Sweden. The semi-finals are on the 7th and the 9th of May. The competition itself, the Grand Prix night, is on the 11th of May. But Olivia, and they're selecting a song. Ireland process in the process at the moment of selecting a song. Uh, but Olivia wants it to stop and she wants people to, to pull out. Um, she also suggests in change.org that we don't pay our license fee this year uh, in order not to fund the entry to the Eurovision Song Contest. Your thoughts are welcome. Uh, thank you, Olivia. 0818 96 96 96. Check this out. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96 FM. I'm the guy on the radio in the afternoons that's giving away the best prizes and making you happy. Oh my god, that's amazing. I'm so excited. Thank you so much, Simon. Guest interviews are never boring. Hosier's having the crack. I'm going to say, no, that's not real. That would be amazing. I'm not that imaginative. That's a real tweet. (laughs) (laughs) And you're always hearing the best tunes from these guys. Hey, this is Rihanna. This is Emery. This is Ed Sheeran. Talk to you in the afternoon. Simon Murdoch. Midday to 4 p.m. With First South Credit Union. For your needs are put before profits. First South Credit Union. Members come first. Is this, is this how we do it? Corks 96 FM. Join the conversation. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. This is the Opinion Live with PJ Coogan. Corks 96 FM. Yeah, on the cost of living and the cost of doing business and the cost of this, that, and t'other, Peter just says the cost of living is gone out of hand. Cost of doing business is gone the same way, but I take your point, Peter. I won't mention where it is, but uh, there's we go to Kerry every New Year. I have done for a number of years now. God, it's over a decade. We go down for two nights, um, myself and herself and, and the own fella. And... You generally expect to pay a reasonable few quid for a hotel room for those two nights, and we say about for it, we don't mind it. It's our little treat to ourselves for the new year. This year we went down and we were really happy with the place where we stayed. Really lovely, right in the centre of Killarney. Not going to name it. But when I went to book again for next new year, just put the name down and leave the old card and you know yourself... It had gone up by 29%. That's something else that's happening. It was, as I said, it's not cheap to go down for the new year. We save up and we treat ourselves. But it had gone up by 29% in advance of, of next year. That's still happening. 
in the trade, which I don't like that. I had a lovely call on Tuesday, the end of the show, from Ned. Ned was doing a little bit of shopping in the posh duns in Wilson there, or out towards Bishopstown, that way. That, you know the one, the posh duns. Is it Wilson or Bishopstown? Where is it? Bandon Road. And he got to the till, and he only had 20 bucks cash in his wallet, and his stuff came to twenty four ninety, And he just looked at the girl behind the till, and he said, look, Jess, I'll have to put something back, because I, I only have 20 quid. And she put her hand into her own purse, took out a fiver, and put it through for him. She's... Her name was Mandy. And I thought, what a wonderful, lovely, lovely thing to do. Um, it turns out Sharon got onto us. The girl that gave Ned five euro towards his shopping, that's my sister, Mandy. I'm delighted he rang up. I could tell it meant a lot to him that someone had done it for him. Mandy's very kind and has often helped people she doesn't know in situations like that. I'm amazed myself at some of the kind things she does and she expects nothing back. Thank you for what she said about her and I think she'd be very proud as we are of her. Oh, Sharon, she's an example. She's an example. She, she's, she should be, you should be so, so proud of that kindness and decency. 0818969696. We'll return later the, to the topic of surrogacy. I know that Gareth did quite a lot on it yesterday. A couple of people have come back to us to say we should maybe look at the other side of the argument. Um, the, the Pope has said that surrogacy is despicable and he wants a global ban on it. A couple of people agree with him. So we'll come back to that later this morning. And we're asked to mention to you that Alcoholics Anonymous are holding a public meeting in the Munster Arms Hotel Friday, January 19th. That's tomorrow week at half eight. It's aimed particularly at people in West Cork, but sure, anybody as always, anybody is welcome. I love these little things. They're all over TikTok. Did you ever think we'd see the day that TikTok would be... Pro- a Chinese website would be promoting the Irish language? In, passionately, in fact. Let's have a listen to this. This this is just one example. Here we go. Bean shook and a glustein ermadin lesh. Bean muscarf hatha agaslavini arm gamilic. And lovely. A little, just a cute little thing. It's it's on the TikTok account. Gwelga with Jane. Jane Neil Neilusa. Do you swear again? Good morning. Do you swear again? Can I say that too? Well, Quisak, it's been a rough day. Yesterday was a rough day. Jane, um, your passion for the Irish language shows through these lovely little videos. But why do you think it's becoming so popular now on something as bad as TikTok? Um, well, I actually started that TikTok page three years ago. Um, so I've been uh, working away at it for a few years now. Well, just recently that there's um, maybe the past year other creators have been coming on and promoting Irish too, which is amazing. Um, and I think people are just reconnecting to the language and something's calling them back to it. And it's a really exciting time for yeah. the language. Vivienne is, had Vivienne before, on before Christmas. She's based in New York, and she's doing the same, the same thing. You're a you're you're a teacher, an Irish teacher, isn't that right? Yeah, I am. So I trained as a primary school teacher, and I was teaching in Gaelic schools, 
Um, but then I got a scholarship to teach Irish at the University of Montana in America. Really? And yeah. Hang on, <laughs> who, who wants to learn <laughs> Irish at the University of Montana? Um, they actually have a huge Irish department there at the university. Um, a very strong hurling club, Irish dancing. Um, they've tried sessions once a week. Um, in so Montana, in the university. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's the loads of miners went over from West Cork down from Pera in the 1800s. <laughs> um, and it's their descendants now that are reconnecting to Irish and kind of claiming their um, their culture and heritage Isn't through learning fantastic? Irish and through um, engaging with the culture. Isn't that just brilliant? Because, Jane, I can remember, and I've never agreed with it and I've never wanted it to be the case, there were those who said we should just let Irish die. And I always said no. My Irish, I'd look, I can listen to it fluently, but my spoken Irish, because I don't practice it, isn't great. But I love the language. I love my my native language. I think it's fantastic to see young people like yourself promoting it. It's great. Yeah, thank you. That's what you said. Like just what you said there now about practicing it. Um, it's it's so important to practice yeah. it, and that's how we'll keep the language alive. <laughs> uh, and it's something that kind of frustrates me when I hear people saying Irish is a, a dead language or it's a dying language because it's not at all. Far from um, it, but it sounds the things that they're learning it in Montana. It was your first language, really, wasn't it? Because you grew up with the Grail Talk. Yeah, I grew up in the Grail Talk. And I always kind of took it um, for granted that I spoke Irish and my friends spoke Irish and everyone around me was speaking Irish. Um, and it was only when I went to Montana when I saw it in a completely different context that I realised how special the language is and how lucky I was to grow up in Gweldacht. And now there's still parts of the country, and forgive my ignorance here, Jane, I went off to Kerry myself down to Fionnach a couple of summers when I was young to the Gweldacht, and, but, and, and, but, but do people, are there still people in parts of Ireland growing up with Irish as their first language? Um, yeah, definitely. That's fantastic. Um, so I'm from, from Ballingary, like the, ah. a village in West Cork. Yeah, no way. Um, and there's there's been a huge baby boom there the last few years. There's a lot of new um, children, yeah. and so many of them are being raised in Irish, um, which is lovely, which is amazing. And if I went yeah. into the corner shop now in Ballingiri, would would Irish be this, the, the the first language in there? Yeah, definitely. That's um, wonderful. That's that's yeah. one. And the following that you and others have on TikTok shows. There's a hunger out there. Is it because we're spread all over the world and we take pride in this language and that those of us who are, are traveling and have traveled want to bring this and put our stamp on, on it around the world? Yeah, I think so. Um, it's really inspiring. So my students is uh, kind of half of them from America and half of them are Irish students. Um, and the, it's amazing how many of them are doing different things in their own areas. So we have a student in Brooklyn who's just started going to the pop-up Gweldacht in Manhattan. The pop-up Gweldacht in weeks. Manhattan? <laughs> it's I have a student who goes to the pop-up Gweldacht in Denver. There's a pop-up Gweldacht in LA. There's one in Barcelona. There's one in Lisbon. They're all over um, Europe and America. It's so inspiring and like there's so much enthusiasm and grow or love for the language. Um, it's just 
It really inspires me when I hear their stories. Oh, it's marvellous, Jane. It's so lovely. Um, it's wonderful. Toshiko Huntuk. And uh, continued success to people like yourself on, on TikTok, helping to promote our beautiful native language, which, yeah, I can understand quite fluently. Thank you, Jane Gramahagut. Um, I can understand it fluently. I can listen to Radio Nagreltikta and understand exactly what they're saying, or pretty much anyway. I can read a paper in Irish or something in Irish. My spoken Irish is quiesic at best. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Wayne Hilton. Wayne Hilton. On Cork's ninety six FM. Join me Saturday mornings from 10. I've got four hours of the best music mix. Check out the Cork Weekend Survey. Have a go at the Wayne Teaser question. There's the latest celebrity gossip. A look at what's happening around town. And we'll keep you up to date with all your essential Cork news. Wayne Hilton. Saturdays, 10 a.m. With Newmarket Motors for the Volkswagen ID Buzz. Fully electric, fully connected, and full of new ideas. NewmarketVolkswagen.ie. On Cork's 96 FM. The minds are Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Fox 96FM. Good morning to you. 0818 396 The email is opinion at 96m.ie I'm just looking back at I want to return to something that Gareth was talking about yesterday This is to do with the Pope The Pope said in the last few days that surrogacy is despicable and he called it all manner of things and then he called for a global ban on surrogacy Gareth was talking to Karen Dempsey um, and she was particularly upset with the Pope's comments um, feeling that the Pope for example is further isolating the LGBTQ plus community and that his comments are upsetting for women who can't conceive naturally um, I only heard the start of the discussion um, surrogacy it's a practice that we've covered on this show before. I've spoken to parents uh, of children who had the, those children by surrogacy and those children are, are loved fiercely and as intensely as any other way to, to, to have a child. But it prompted some messages last evening from people who agree with the Pope and disagree with uh, surrogacy. I'll talk to Garrod in a while but Michael, uh, you started by sending us an email. This isn't necessarily about the Pope. This is about surrogacy in general as a practice. Good yes, morning. Yes, yes, PJ. Thank you. I, th- I think, <clears throat> first of all, PJ, let me say that I think this is a, a subject that needs discussion. And the people in general need to hear as many viewpoints as possible from as many people as possible. Right. Rather, you know, I mean, sometimes you get one or two people giving their views and opinions. But I I certainly believe that there are a lot of people out there who would have views and opinions and maybe not all of the same view. But I would encourage now people who feel have any views on this one way or the other 
lift up the phone, get on the phone, and, you know, let us hear mm. what you have to say in general. But before we move on, let me just commend you on a few topics, you, and we won't go back to them, a few topics you, you touched on this morning, which are worth follow up at a later time. But I hope you have bought, when you were off the day, that you might have purchased some Evo stick or something like that for your chair there, because with view of recent developments, you might find that your hours could be cut back like another show there. Careful now, Michael. Let's not get any of us into trouble here. Careful now, careful. Yeah, but we we caught people, we're very upset on Sunday morning. I know, I know, I know. But however, that's another matter. Okay, sorry, Gussie. Matter for another day, matter for another day. I have not read what the Pope said, Mm. because I have no interest in what the Pope says. Okay. I do not follow religion of any shape or form. I make up my own mind, but I have in the way, in the, in, the la, in the long distant past, you and I have discussed this when it wasn't such a major topic, but I personally have very strong views and I am seriously opposed to this surrogacy. One is because what I have seen in some of the countries that I have been in, and we are also aware that the, the, the countries who in, uh, people have dealt with generally are countries where there is would be, let us say, a lot of corruption, and uh, individuals are exploited. Now, not necessarily by the people who are securing the service, but they're exploited by the go-betweens and the in-between people who are putting them together. And in many instances, those are the people who are making big money, mm-hmm. while the, 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 let's say, the, the person providing the service is not actually that well compensated regardless of what the people who are engaging the service... They would they, say to you, though, that the reason they go to somewhere like India, for example, it's just one that comes to mind, and further afield sometimes, the reason they go there is you can't do it here. Well, okay, that's that's fine. But, you know, what, what you're doing then, PJ, is you are encouraging a situation where vulnerable people are being exploited. Now, again, no reflection on the people seeking the service. They are seeking a service. They are led to believe a lot of things by the people they are engaging with. But the bottom line is the actual person who is finally engaged to provide that service in many, many cases would be exploited. And you had somebody on not that long ago, I think, who had engaged services in Kenya, and then they found they were exploited and exploited as the time came near, and the in-between was looking for more money. And you and I know Kenya is a country that the vast majority of people are not very well off down there. Yeah. And, no, I know, remember that case too. Again, it comes back to the point I'm making, Michael, and you're 100% correct with regard to large amounts of money changing hands in foreign countries, not just in terms of surrogacy, but for years it happened in terms of adoption as well. But If we made surrogacy available through Irish law, through Irish hospitals, using Irish doctors and whatever you have in yourself, because we've got the very, very best of technology here, then that would solve all these problems. Well, that is something the government are looking into. And, you know, I'm not going to comment on that because, you know, that that is a matter then we we would hope would be regulated and controlled. Yeah, what about the the practice of surrogacy itself? That one woman has a child for another because she can't. Well, there are various circumstances where, you know, for instance, you have a sister who will do it for a family member. You will have a mother who will do it. That is one matter. But, but what, we're, what we're looking at here when we move abroad 
and I know this word is offensive and my own wife does not like me using it, but this is trafficking in human beings. It's a strong word, Michael, I'd have to say. It is a strong word, and it, it is a violation of the United Nations Charter on Human Rights, but that is what it is. Whether we like how it or not, it? and how maybe the people, who are, how is the people it who are securing this... Tra- trafficking is someone being picked up off the street. Well, no, it, it, again, everything is relevant. But you are, this child is actually being trafficked because it is bartered for money. And this, this, this is wrong. Now, you said the government should, well, maybe the government should step in. But this is another form of trafficking. Look, we had the trafficking of slaves from Africa. And let us not forget, we had, we had young people in 1650 sent to the West Indies as slaves. The first slaves in the West Indies were Irish. Red legs, they're called down there now in Jamaica. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm uncomfortable so, with the word, Michael. I know, yes, I know. The, but look, the, Peter, I, know what, I know what trafficking. I know what trafficking is. And sometimes and so, we have to be hard, harsh to be sure, kind. But I, maybe. But let me make the trafficking. point. Trafficking and people who engage point. in this are are then engaging in the trafficking of a human being, and this should be a violation see, of the United Nations Charter. Is it? Tra- hold on. Is it trafficking? If and I just put this out there. So if you go to, we'll again use India because I've spoken to people who've gone to India. You go to India and an arrangement is drawn up between one woman and a, a couple. She has the child. The child is adopted there by the, the paperwork is momentous. Yes, she's paid for her services for having the child. I, I can't, can't equate that own, with trafficking. I'm throwing out one view, and I would certainly welcome another view. And, you know, you can say, OK, you enter into agreement, you go into a shop and you, you're, you're measured up for a suit, and somebody makes up the suit, you pay your money, you walk out with your suit. But we're not talking about clothing here, we're not talking about objects, we're talking about human beings that are being purchased and sold. So if, 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 if a woman cannot have a child, just... Forget about the international element of it now, because I think that's what complicated. But if a woman cannot have a child, and she has a sister who will have the child for her, is that is that not okay? But but then you're, you're talking okay? a totally different arrangement, then PJ. You yeah. know, you are talking it. There is no money changing hands here. There is no question of it becoming a commercial operation. And the problem, once you move abroad and, and, and middlemen get involved... Yeah, but then isn't that becomes, all the more reason? I, get, I totally get what you're saying. Operation. I totally get what you say with regard to... No, what you're but, saying there... Wouldn't it solve the problem to regulate it here? Yeah, yeah well then, but then if you, if you have a family member who wants to engage in this to assist or another family... Or a family friend, yes. But then, you see, you have a different situation because that is done on a different basis and there is no money involved. But once, beco- once money in any shape or form becomes involved okay. and once there is okay. a middle person involved and let's say, for instance, if a person can get in touch with an individual in a third country and that individual just deals with the people requiring the service, that might even be slightly different situation then because there is no other party right. involved. Right. But right. once the middle person gets involved, it becomes commercial. So in saying, essentially, Michael, essentially, if I'm d- drilling into your view here a little, you're not opposed as such to the principle of surrogacy unless money becomes involved. Unless it becomes a commercial proposition. Okay. What you have said about people helping family and friends, well, there, there you go. That's, that's, that would be quite, I would say, normal to a point. 
to a point, whatever normal is. Now, what if, but, what but if when it, it becomes a commercial yeah. operation, that is my concern. So then and, be, money should never change hands. And so the, even people, if, the people in these so-called third world countries who are taken advantage of and exploited. Okay, okay. Let's, let's just imagine for a second that we could do it here. So you would, not, you would also be opposed to, say, a woman in Kerry having a baby for a woman in Cork because the woman in Cork can't have a baby. Well, you know, you're getting into the, the details now, but if there was money changing hands, I would have certainly concerns. But if there was no money changing hands, okay. that would be a different matter to me. Right. right. I'm just concerned that this can be, like everything else, things start off with the best of intentions. Yeah. And so, Dayak, that family you had on, they, they had an agreement in Kenya, but then when the, when the birth was due... The, the yeah, it all, it all went, it all went very appreciate. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I appreciate where you're going with the foreign stuff and the spending of money overseas. I, I'd have to say I have some sympathies with you there. But let us just imagine it's available in, in Ireland. Are you suggesting, Michael, that if a woman doesn't have, this is coming in on the phone, if a woman doesn't have a family member or a friend who can help to carry a baby for her, does she then have to stay childless rather than find a surrogate? Well, you know, that that's not for me to say. I mean, look, we're getting into another area here. I'm just talking about my concern for the exploitation of of the, the females in certain countries who would be taken advantage of by ruthless business people mm-hmm. and exploited. I have another my- area that I have raised before. As you know, being a long-term listener and many people know, I have for many years been an advocate for better rights for adopted people to find out their background. Absolutely. My, my, my concern is that, in fact, I had one of them sitting opposite me here in the studio a number of years ago. Um, will, when these children born through surrogacy grow up, they will ask questions. You can be damn sure they will ask questions. They're entitled to the answers, aren't they? Well, absolutely. But but as you said, and look, I, I'm quite sure, and I, I, my wife keeps reminding me, you know, that the vast majority of those children who are, uh, let's say, born in such a situation are brought up in very kind, caring and loving households. And uh, they get the best of lives. And, and they certainly would get a better life than maybe they would have back in their home country. So, I mean, that that is a factor also that has to be taken into account. But again, just back... My concern, exploitation okay. of, the, of the females, particularly in the poorer countries. Right, That's and no money but should... But I'm, I'm happy that, that you're, you're, you're opening this topic Absolutely. here because we need to get all the views and opinions Absolutely. of people who, who are, have concern. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Just, just broadening a little bit. Also, Gerard. Gerard, would you hold on for me for about two minutes till we clear a commercial break and we'll chat then. All right, thank you. 0818 Talking again about surrogacy. Talking about to people, Michael and Gareth Garrod, who are opposed to it, Michael, because he doesn't want money changing hands. The, 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 I think that the, I think the principle of a woman having a baby for another woman who can't, I think Michael can can deal with that as long as money isn't changing hands, because then it becomes a commercial operation. Which he uses the word. It's not a word I like using. He uses the word. Trafficking. I'll talk to Gerard in just a couple of minutes. 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96 FM. 
no name on this. It says again, men making decisions on women's bodies. As a man, if a woman has to have a baby by surrogacy, it has nothing got to do with us men. Not sure I agree with you there. Because last time I looked, a man had certain input into the conception of a child. Just last time I looked. But I take your point. Gerard. Yes, PJ, how are you doing? Yes. You think the Pope was right in calling for a global ban? I do, I do. yeah. I think he, the Pope was giving a talk to various um, ambassadors assigned to the Holy See, and he gives his talk once a year about what's important in the world as he sees it at that time, and apart from wars and climate change and things of that nature, he also saw a surrogacy, which is um, banned in some countries, or commercial surrogacy is banned in certain countries around the world because of, as you saw, as you were just speaking there about the exploitation of the women, yeah. but also the fact that um, from that every time there is a baby conceived through surrogacy, there are, there are other several others conceived as well who are destined to die in the process. Uh, well, we're not sure we know that, Carol. That happens sometimes, not all the time. I think every time any IVF it does happen. If that's involved, in, if IVF is involved in surrogacy, it happens every time, and we just don't hear about it. And also, it is pushing really a commercialised mentality, and um, you know, it's not the context that animals like to be conceived in. You know, it, it disregards the natural order of things and uh, make turns things. How do you mean the natural order? How do you mean the natural order of things? The natural order of a loving relationship with a man and a woman. I don't, I so, if a woman can't have a child through fertility problems, what 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 do you say? There are lots of things that we can't have for whatever reason. I'm I'm, not, I'm losing your line there, Gerard, but I just want to get this get this point that you you believe that if a man and woman cannot have a child together by natural methods, that there should be no IVF, for example, and that surrogacy shouldn't be involved either. I do. I think that. Uh, and the line has gone completely bollive, as they say. You think the IVF as well should be should be outlawed? I do. Yes. I think because of all those embryos that are created to be destroyed, basically, I think it's just a really it's a commercialized mentality of the of human beings. You know, it's turning the whole thing into a transaction, and uh, you know that's not wanted and unwanted. Whether wanted or unwanted becomes the, the the main thing in life. Then afterwards, I think it's and rather a cruel view, Garrod. I'd have to say. Well, it's a, to, it's to say that just because a woman cannot have a child by shall we say regular means, tough. That's what you're saying, tough. No, well, there's, if we if we try to change her situations by irregular means, it can be tougher. And I think that the Pope is it comes from the point of view of that God knows best in these things, not necessarily what we ourselves want at the, any particular time. But what about what about people who have no religion, who don't subscribe to religion? Should they be blocked because your religion doesn't like it? I think the Pope can only speak for, on his own behalf of what he... Correct. He, he only speaks for yes. Catholics. What about non-Catholics? And, what about people who don't support religion? And, and those who appreciate what uh, he has to say would yeah. take it on board, I would think. But, but, but okay. But if we, if we look at it as, that's your view as a Catholic, and it's the Pope's view as a Catholic. It's not my view as a Catholic, by the way, but it's the Pope's view as a Catholic. What about people who don't What about people who don't follow a faith? It is a medical service. Yeah. It is a medical yes. service, and, and, and you're saying that because... Well, service, service means you're bringing in money into it straight away, and you talk about service. Okay, it's, okay it's, it's a medical procedure. So, right. Yeah. Right. So, if we, if, we are, if we know that we are basically trampling on embryos and, and into the ground, 
So think like if you look at it like that, then I, I think it's really a miserable way of living our lives. Like, let's say the well, what would you say to the woman who can't have a child and desperately wants one? What would you say? We, there's so many things we desperately want, but it might, might be the proper thing for us at that do time. Do you have children Our yourself? Don't, do you have children yourself? I have one child, yes. Okay. Aren't you wonderfully blessed that you were able to have that child? I was, yes. What if you weren't? But, uh, but what I, if you I, weren't? I, I look, look back, look at that child now, and what if you weren't physically able? Would you just say, ah, oh, well, tough? No, I don't see it as being tough. I mean, that's a, a, a you know, um, I mean, I think that whatever God has man, planned out for our lives is best for our lives. But what if you don't believe in God? Well, then, what if God uh, plays no part in your life? Yeah, well, we can't, I can't, if people don't people believe in God, can't go around robbing, stealing, killing others around the boat. Because if that's my, that's my view. And as part of a member of society, a citizen society, put forward my point of view. Okay. People may rubbish okay. it and think that's a bad idea that people should be allowed to do any of these different things. But in my opinion, it's 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 a detrimental and makes people okay. you know feel miserable inside. All right, Gerard, listen, I, I I appreciate your call. I I don't agree with you. Uh, I think a lot of people won't agree with you, but I appreciate your call very much, and thank you for making it. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Gerard wants a total ban on surrogacy anywhere believes it's wrong. Um, also, he extends that to IVF and believes that's wrong too. But that's his faith. That's what he's, That's how he interprets his faith. He's entitled to interpret his faith. Um, Mary was a surrogate for God, says Claire. That, that's, that is, actually, yeah. And I think I heard Gareth raising that point yesterday. The original story of how Jesus Christ was born, born in a stable at Christmas time, that in itself is a story of surrogacy, if you want to break it down to those brass tacks. Thanks, Claire. Happy to take more thoughts on this at 083 In In regard to the comment about money being exchanged for surrogacy, what a hypocrite of a man Michael is. Clinics in Ireland charge double for IVF, and women who want a child have to go abroad for donors. Nothing about our Irish clinics and government who won't support families struggling for a baby. If no money is to be exchanged, offer free IVF for every woman to have the opportunity to have a baby. There are so many caps on the current free IVF. For example, an Irish woman who needs eggs in Ireland would have to pay 12k on average, plus blood tests, and can go to Prague and have it done then for 6,000 and have full anonymity. 0818-969696. My only response to that... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. He's on the last word of anonymity. Um, a child conceived through surrogacy. And I've spoken to the parents of, our, of them in Ireland, and I have no doubt that they are loved fiercely, like any child is loved fiercely. But at some stage, and I know this from my activism years, in adoption rights, they will ask... When they sit down and they're 12, 13, 14, 15, they're going through those teenage years where you have a million questions every day about who you are and where you're going in the world. 
and you become quite troubled by those questions. If you have a child through surrogacy, I think it's your duty to have those answers for that young child. Oh, I get it. You mean anonymity? Oh, yes, in terms of local people not knowing. Fair pain. Clinic staff, etc. Fair point. Well, okay. Okay, thank you for that. But I would stick by that. That would be my own. That's my tuppence worth here. I have absolutely no issue with surrogacy. Once, once a full file is kept, and when that child sits down and says, Mom, Dad, or Dad, Dad, Mom, Mom, you know, families are different things now. What exactly happened? How did I actually get here? Who were the participants in me being here? Those answers, I think, are important. 0818969696. So earlier on, talking about restaurants and the price of doing business, Kate called up and she was saying that maybe here in Ireland we spend too much on decor and, and fancy chairs and tables and fancy carpets on the floor and nice decoration on the wall. And maybe if we focus less on that and more on food, then we might get a better deal when we go out. I was inclined to agree with her in that I've gone into places when I'm on my holidays and sat on plastic deck chairs and ate off a plastic table that was weighed down with a sandbag because one leg was buckety on it. And I had a hoist paper tablecloth clipped onto it. But the food, my God, you'd crawl over black, broken glass just to sniff the food. Trish, you disagree. Morning. Oh, God. Yeah, completely. I, I, I feel bad. But I, I, it was just when she said that, I remembered about a holiday we had in Altea. Right. And, um, it's near Benidorm, isn't it? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's just outside Benidorm, but it's lovely. Yeah. It's not Benidorm. No, it's, it's, up, <laughs> well, it's up the hill a little bit. It's the old, the, the old, old town. Yeah, yeah. I know it. Yeah, it, but you get the old town and then you get the promenade bit. And yeah. we walked past, I'd say, six restaurants because I didn't like the chairs. And then we settled on this restaurant and it had these beautiful wicker recliners. And we spent the afternoon there drinking savasa. Yeah. And it was beautiful. But I, I, I just think that if you don't pay attention to your frontage, then what's going on back there where you can't see that it's four-day-old chip fat that's in the fryer? Yeah, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. But yeah. if, I, I have been in enough places with... Plastic deck chairs and buckety tables that we held up with a sandbag or got a really? bunch of beer mats and leveled the leg. And, and I, I, and I hated it, but it happened to me all the time. I, I seem to attract the buckety table. I don't know what it is, but, but the food put on that table has been exquisite. Yeah. Equally so. Yeah. Equally yeah. so. I've been in places that looked like they were straight out of the, out of a five star restaurant and I've gotten tat served up to me. But I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about, you know, going to, like, ivy places or anything like that. Yeah, I'm talking yeah. about, you know, they, they've all got the sandwich boards outside <laughs> advertising. They're, they're all serving the same thing, and the prices are all the same. But Pretty it's, much. It's the street look. It's the – it's your curb appeal. That's it, isn't it? It's yeah, your curb you're, appeal. You're not, not you're not a fan of the San Miguel chairs and the, and the buckety table then. Oh, uh, Come here, you wanted to talk about <laughs> tips as well, did you? Tips? No, I, and Fergal asked me about tips, and I think they're taxed here. Yeah, they're taxed yeah, if they go through I the books. But it is – oh, do they? Mm. Same no, here. I think it's – 
I think it's, well, well, if you hand, you know, PJ a tenner, it's up to PJ whether he declares that tenner. Mm, you know the answer to you that know. one, don't you? Exactly. Well, I've flipped like I waitress for years and I never, you know, <laughs> you look me up. You did right too. <laughs> All right, Trish. Yeah. Cheers. Thanks a bunch. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. There's the thing. Trish would walk past a restaurant if she didn't like the look of the chairs outside or the tables outside, and that's her. She's entitled to that. Um, <laughs> no, I do. I have this thing. It's uh, Queen Bee kills me for it. Whenever we sit anywhere, I'm not just talking away here. Sit down for a bite to eat, and what am I doing? I'm catching the two corners of the table, and I'm kind of making sure that the legs are because there's nothing. Oh, it's, it's one of these things that gives me ire. Or as they say now, gives me ick. Is if I sit down at a table and there's a buckety leg on it, I am straight away looking for beer mats to prop up the buckety leg. I can't, it just, I just, as they say, it triggers me. I hate it. Buckety leg on a table. I know, I know, I know, I know. Oh, wait, one, eight, 96, 96, 96. Can PJ get a woman's point of view, the men speaking? Michael and Garrow, do they have wives, daughters, sisters with fertility issues? If would they now welcome a solution to enable that woman to become a mother who ever make up, have a family? These men need to have a family member have issues of this matter before they make any decision. If men were to get pregnant, they'd have different options. Great show. Garrow and Michael were responding to a female yesterday, Karen Dempsey. Um, she was on air and was upset at the council. We have had a, a female, and you can find that on our podcasts. We have had a female perspective on this to start the conversation yesterday morning with Gareth. Kate says, I have friends who had surrogate children. They are the most wanted babies in the world. I don't, I don't doubt that for a second, Kate. Fabulous show to highlight the issue. Well done, guys. Well, I just wanted to drill down a little bit into the nuances of it. Gareth put his views very firmly on the table yesterday. I, I, mine are, and I said, mine are. Very simple. I don't have an issue with surrogacy as such. I don't. It's it's a it's a medical procedure, and if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. It can be costly. I wouldn't like to see anybody exploited for money through it. But but um, I would like to think that if you have a child through surrogacy, uh, when the questions come in from that child. I'm not saying if, when those questions come in, you need to have the answers ready. This is a very quick, I mean, really quick voice note on it. This is following my conversation with Michael. Thank God, the likes of this fellow here, his Catholic ways are dying breed. <laughs> That's a bit strong, but thank you. Um, on tips... Another voice note. Voice notes are great, by the way. 83 396 96 Talking to John Brennan, restaurateur and hotelier, earlier on this morning, with a view to reminding people, if you tip through your card or tip digitally in any way, it's going into the tax system, so to speak, and will go through the books as an official income for the business. And, and revenue will get a slice of the tip that you wanted to give the young person who served your dinner. Here's a, a voice note that came in on that, Fra. Hi, PJ. 
uh, yeah, they have to come up with a, def- a different solution there because, like yes- yesterday, I went to go get my hair cut, and I don't carry cash on me. Um, I r- very rarely carry cash, and I wanted to tip her, and the lady said, "Look, we can't do it through the the card system, so it has to be cash." And I really wanted to give her a tip, but I had no cash on me. So they need to do something. That's just ridiculous. 8% PS or PRS on top of a tip. No, come on. What is revenue trying to do here? Yeah, that's Sloopy on a voice note at 083 396 96 96. Yep, do not tip with your card. Do not tip in any way. Tip only. I would say tip only in cash. And, and, and Loopy, go to the ATM and take out little bit of cash. I know you say you don't carry cash. So many people don't. Loads of people don't carry cash these days. But if you're going to go somewhere and you may be considering a tip, go to the ATM. Get out some cash. Have it so that you can tip them. On Eurovision spoke earlier with Olivia who has set up a petition on change.org calling for RTE to boycott the Eurovision Song Contest this year because of the involvement of Israel. RTE are already in the process of selecting a song, so I very much doubt that she'll be successful with that position, but she's passionate about it. Sunshine said, great point. Thank you, Olivia. And after all, it's called Eurovision. Why are there non-Europeans allowed in the first place? There's a question that I'm glad somebody answered. Eurovision does not have anything to do with Europe. Eurovision is for the members of the European Broadcasting Union, EBU. And they are all over the world. And Israel, I think Israel are maybe even founder members. They go back that far uh, as being members of the European Broadcasting Union. In fact, you could, if it was pushed to it, you could see Canada with a song in Eurovision someday. That's why Australia put a song in Eurovision, because Australia are members of the European Broadcasting Union. They're just paid-up members. That answers that question. But Sunshine, thank you. Do you agree with that, though? It, look, it, it won't happen. But do you agree with the principle of Olivia's petition that because of what is happening in Gaza at the moment and because of Israel's involvement in the competition, that RTE should be, should be boycotting it? Your thoughts are very welcome at 0818969696. Earlier in the week, we were talking about people who might be planning to do something interesting for the new year in terms of a hobby. New year resolutions are old hat. I don't think anybody bothers to make them anymore, but a lot of people take up a new hobby or a new pastime or something different for themselves for a new year. We'll look at some of it next. 2 Grand Minute. Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day. I'm in love with the money. Answer 10 questions in 60 seconds to claim 2,000 euros. 2,000 euros. Yeah, money. The 2 Grand Minute. With Cork Dental Care. You'll be all smiles when you see their treatments with Invisalign at CorkDentalCare.ie. Lorraine and Ross in the morning. The money. On Cork's 96 FM. Join the conversation. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. This is the Opinion Live with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96 FM. Now, so many people are becoming obsessed with cold water. 
as part of 2024. I, I, the very thoughts now of going into the sea down at Fountainstown on this day of days, the 11th of January 2024, the very, very idea of going into the water down at Fountainstown, I can feel parts of me shrinking that are not meant to shrink. But George Patterson, you started doing this in the back garden. Good morning. Good morning. Happy New Year. And to you, my friend. You actually, did you build or buy this tank? Um, I bought it. You say shrink, by the way. I say disappear. (laughs) (laughs) Why did Um, you start doing this? uh, Well, it was Orla. Orla's the the fit one out of the two of us. I do, I do, um, anytime I've done, like, I've done, like, part of the marathon and things like that, it's mainly, it's in the, in the, in the wash of Orla, you know, and uh, so I try to, and I need to keep up with that myself. I need to, I I need to like try and keep as fit and healthy as possible. And like I'm vegan and all that. And, um, but that was my idea and Orla took that on. She wanted to start doing this. So I decided that I would go and do it with her. I'm a big swimmer. I've always been, I've always been a big swimmer um, uh, my whole life. Yeah. So uh, the water isn't a problem for me. Going in in the middle of winter isn't something that I, that I, that I would have thought I'd ever be doing. But, um, but that's what we do now. Yeah. We go, Fountain Stand is a good place to go. There's different ways of doing it. There's a guy down there who has a, um, uh, what's it called, a sauna. And so there's a few people, they go into the sauna, heat themselves up, and they run in the water yeah. and they run out. Yeah. yeah, I know. I know. The first time you do it, it really is like as soon as you feel the water touching your toes, it's like, you know, you're, you're screaming like a. A, um, a stock pig, I would suggest. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, exactly that. Uh, so. Um, uh, but then, I mean, like now, uh, I go in there and I just walk in there. Right. I can just walk into the sea, and it's like it isn't an issue at all. Do, do you do the sauna? Um, but what does? Sorry, do what you, does you, happen, of course, is as the year goes on. By the time you get to summer, it's like going in a bath. Yeah, You're not used to it. I remember you know? being down there actually one July when we were having a lovely uh, summer here and in for a swim, and there was a guy having coffee afterwards in Angela's lovely place down there and I, he said to me we in for a swim I said it was he said ah, it's too bloody hot the already swims on Christmas Eve have you, have, you, have you ice in this tank in the garden um I have put ice in it in the before it's a mortar tub um the uh the guys behind where we live they were doing some um some building they were building they're building some houses and uh and they had a high-rise crane there and I got in touch with him. I said, look, I said, um, I keep seeing you going over and you've got these these things, these um, tubs that carry up the cement. Yeah. He said, yeah. I said, where can I get one of them from? So he found one for us, new one, and then they craned it into our back garden. Okay. So it's a... It's a- <laughs> It's watertight, obviously, no, by its very nature. It's, it's a three. It's a three hundred uh, liter um, mortar tub. That's what they're called. Yeah, and uh, they put that in the back garden, and then I I drilled out the bottom and I put in a, I put in a um, a drainage for it. Yeah, and then we fill it up from the water, and then yes, we do put ice into it. But you don't really need to if you're going to do it first thing in the morning. Well, at this at this at this at really this time of the year, you certainly wouldn't need it. There was I saw a video you know, on TikTok TikTok the other day of a guy. Actually, coming out now and having to break the ice 
on the top of his water tank in the garden and hopping yeah, straight into it. Yeah, I was just it. thinking exactly that. Yeah, that it does do that. <laughs> it's it's amazing. It is ab- absolutely amazing. You get into it and you think you're going to die. Um, and <laughs> yeah, you, you just come up, up to your neck. I know. <laughs> And how long do you stay in it? It was very strange coming out of my mouth as well. (laughs) Um, I was, so you get up to your neck, okay, and then, um, and you're only in there for about two minutes. You can go in there a bit longer if you like, but two minutes is like, is all you need to do it. Because what you're looking for is you're looking for your body to be, what, what happens is your brain starts to think that your body is dying. It thinks that you're dying. You're in water and you're dying. So what it does is it releases all the uh, endorphins and all the, uh, uh, what they called all the self-made um, boosters, uh, painkillers yeah. Yeah, that are actually in your body, and, and it releases them all. And when you come out of the water, as you're coming out of the water, yeah, you're probably covered with these little bumps and things, and you're red, but as you come out, number one, it feels warmer outside. I bet it would. I bet it would. I bet it would. And uh, number two, you start to dry yourself off and you find yourself, you you just find a sort of a euphoria coming from it. Oh, really? It's really, really, really nice feeling. Stay there for me, George. Stay there for me. I've I've heard people talk about this nice feeling. Fiona Corcoran, formerly of this parish. Fiona, good morning. Good morning, Peter. You're, you're one of these back. people who <laughs> runs in after the sauna. I am, yeah. I was just listening to George there um, talking about the sauna. And uh, I started it up a couple of months back. And it's absolutely, he's talking there about the euphoria. And I can totally relate to that feeling. It's unbelievable. Like, um, you go into the sauna. So I usually book an hour session and you go into the sauna for 10 or 15 minutes, get really, really hot. And then you run into the cold sea, dip yourself in. Sometimes I dive in head first. Sometimes, depending on how I'm feeling, I might just dip down into it and throw water over my face. And then get back, do that for a minute, then get back into the sauna for another 15 minutes, back into the water, and repeat that until the hour session is up. Now, a lot of people... When you and I used to work together, you used to wear a coat in July, woman. How the hell are you doing this? (laughs) I know, and that's the thing. I wasn't, like George was saying there, he wasn't, um, he's a swimmer, but not um, a sea swimmer. I wouldn't have been a sea swimmer, even going down to the beach in the summertime. It would have to be really, really hot for me to get into the water. Even with the kids, I'd have been just kind of paddling at the end uh, or at the edge before I'd get in. Um, And it was more to do with the fact that if you got into the water, okay, you you know, it's cold, you get over that, but then when you come back out onto the land, I'd have to have really, really warm conditions to come back. Interesting. and yeah, <laughs> and then um, my friend Alison started doing the sauna and the sea swim uh, last year, around this time last year, and she was always talking about how good it was. And I wanted to try it just to see what it was like, but I really didn't think it was something that I'd get into. And um, I saw just towards the end of the summer, there was a woman doing a sunset yoga session on the beach, followed by a sauna and a sea swim. And I said, you know what, I'll try that. That sounds like a lovely way to relax and unwind after the summer. And I really enjoyed it. And then there was another one in Garrettstown, and it was a sun uh, rise one. So we did that. And then slowly but surely, I just started doing the sauna and the sea swim with Alison. And 
we were trying to go every kind of second week, but now um, the New Year's resolu- New Year's resolution is to try out all of the saunas in Cork. So we're trying <laughs> to kind of go on a weekly basis. So we there's loads, PJ. Nearly every beach has one now. They're mobile saunas, so they tend to travel around a little bit as well. So we've been to Garrettstown lots of times. The Wild Wave down Garrettstown is the one that we were going to all the time. Um, but now we've been to we were in Fountainstown last Saturday. We're going to Oysterhaven this Saturday coming. Mm. Um, have been to Myrtleville, Roberts Cove. It's brilliant. It's such a great experience. It really is. And yeah. afterwards, like, um, George was talking there about the way the endorphins. Um, you know, it's just it's the release of endorphins. And afterwards, you just feel like you're in such a zen-like state. Like, if you had something to tell me that was going to make me explode, tell me then. Because I, I yeah. can't handle anything at that stage. That's the point to come tell me bad news. I was talking to someone else who was doing it at the moment there over the last couple of days and, and said, when you get out of it, lads, and we might both have something to say, it feels like you're walking on air. To which I said, yeah, because you can't mm. feed your feet. <laughs> <laughs> come home and you just feel really relaxed and I used to suffer a lot with my back and yeah. I find that after um, I've done a session of the sun and the sea swim that my back is kind of there's no feeling in it maybe it is because it's numb <laughs> oh, no, but um, I think it's just because when you do it you're so relaxed and you're not thinking about anything else and it's a lovely way to uh, unwind after the week you know you have the stress of work and kids and everything else and it's something to look forward to and you're just Completely lost in your own little bubble, sitting yeah. in the sun. No, my, my, my godson is doing it as well, um, This uh, giving it a go. George and Fiona, thank you both. George doing it not just in Fountain Sound, but in his own tank in the back garden. And Fiona Corcoran, formerly of this programme, doing it, uh, touring the saunas of Cork, taking the sauna first and then running into the water. I would have thought you'd go to the water first and then take the sauna to warm yourself up again. But no, it appears not. Will I be doing it? Uh, no. Win a pair of Apple AirPods with Quartz 96 FM. Just take our 10-minute music survey and you're in the draw. Tell us the tunes you'd listen to on repeat and what songs we should delete. Win your very own Apple AirPods. Give it a go right now. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Or c96fm.ie The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Coach 96 FM. Emer was on to us about uh, Eurovision. I was chatting earlier on with Olivia, who has set up a, a petition on change.org um, to try to get RTE to withdraw from uh, Eurovision in protest at Israeli actions in Gaza. I spoke to her about the petition and how strongly she feels about it, and the fact that in 2022, Russia were not allowed to take part because of what it was doing in Ukraine and we all know what happened then Ukraine went on to win it but Olivia is disappointed that Israel are being allowed to take part and she feels that Ireland should boycott the competition and the point I was making to her was the selection process is already underway so I think that's highly unlikely to happen but but she's She's passionate in her, in her belief. And I think there are a lot of people out there who would agree with her. Emer says Ireland 100% needs to boycott the Eurovision. 
if Israel is allowed to take part this year, by allowing Israel to partake and not Russia after Ukraine, we're saying the genocide in Gaza is okay. I was very disappointed by the way 96FM addressed the issue of boycott. It very much sounded like 96FM was pro-Israel and see nothing wrong in the slaughter and mass starvation of the Palestinian people. I think you'd be very wrong there, Eber. Um, but I appreciate your opinion. Hashtag boycott Israel. Be on the right side of history and humanity. Thank you, Emer. On the subject of surrogacy, Bernie was on. She said, first of all, uh, I was praying for your family yesterday and send blessings to your daughter. And that's so grateful, Bernie, for that. In fact, you know, she put this thing on our phones before she left that we can see where she is anytime her phone is on or connected to Wi-Fi or connected to whatever local providers we'll be able to see where she is. She's in Vietnam. She's in Hanoi. And I'm almost 100% certain it's she's in a pub. Like, she's her father's daughter or what? She's in a pub. It's it's just gone 6 o'clock where she is now in the evening. So I'm almost certain she's in a pub. She's grand. Delighted. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. But Bernie said, "I don't agree with the Pope." What he had to say: uh, "Once people don't get exploited, those children can be much more loved than many born otherwise. Once the child is loved and no one is exploited, religion should stay well out of it." Uh, that's from Bernie. And Lisa says that man Gerard is living back in the dark ages. Well, Gerard completely agreed to the Pope. Believes it should be banned. Also believes that IVF should be banned. I completely and totally disagree with Gerard on that front, by the way. 0818-969696. I'm getting back to strange things that people are doing for the new year. Talking to George Patterson and Fiona Corcoran before the news about their obsession with cold water and Fiona with taking a sauna before. Just think about it, right? Just think about it. It is what? It is four or five degrees out there at most, right? It's a beautiful, bright winter's day, but it's cold, so imagine sitting in a sauna so that your body heats up and then running down the sand into, into, into the tide. Oh, stop it. But they're all at it. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Tango dancing. Excuse me. And I think Lorraine and Ross might even have been signed up for this. Uh, Morgan Fitzgibbon from Cork Tango. Cork Tango on Facebook or CorkTango.com. You tell me, Morgan, the tango is all the rage. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Happy New Year to you. And yeah. to you. And so, to you. And so I suggest, yeah, it's fairly cold out there. So I, I like move back indoors, back into the ballroom. Yeah, definitely uh, the tango. I mean, people would think of tango from, from the TV, Strictly Come Dancing and so forth. And the buzz around that, and uh, people would think, "Oh, tango is for old people and so forth." But nothing could be further from the truth. There's a lot of young people get involved in tango, and tango has three different levels. There's kind of the classical tango, Argentine tango, and then there's the milongo, uh, milonga, and the vals. The milonga would be more like uh, people who are into salsa dancing. Yeah kind of a faster pace and then a tango vals is kind of the waltz but um, there is a, a strong active community in Cork and it's getting stronger of people joining tango as ways to get fit have fun and uh, overall kind of to meet new people and meet new friends 
So there's people from all age groups, right? People from college students, you know, who are single and ready to mingle, all the way up to people who kind of have raised their children like ourselves and want to do something fun and active and get a new social meet new friends, yeah. Looks very difficult. Looks very complicated. There you go. Yeah, it's a, it's a furry uh, technical dance. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's true compared to salsa, like a salsa dancing. People will probably get going in the first one or two classes. But definitely tango, it's like it's, it's compared to salsa, it's far nicer to look at. So it, it does take more time to kind of get going. But it's definitely, you know, um, once you put in the time and effort, um, I would say after four weeks, definitely you, you, you notice a difference. And, yeah, it's, it's lovely. And the, especially the, the Argentinian dancing compared to the ballroom tango mm. dancing, it's lovely to watch. Yeah, the placement yeah, of the feet yeah. seems extraordinarily precise. Yeah, it's very technical dancing that way. But, I mean, like, uh, if I go back to kind of pre-COVID when we started, myself and my wife started, uh, I mean, we started absolute beginners and um, I wouldn't be the best dancer. What, well, like, what got you into you it, know, Morgan? You know? what, 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 where, where, who put the idea in your head I'm going to try this? Okay, so bef- before we had kids, right, we, we did the salsa dancing for a good couple of years. Then, like, you know, once kids come along, you know, your, your whole life gets on hold. Mm-hmm. And our kids are kind of grown up. We said, well, we do. So we said as a social scene, you know, we saw, we saw it on TV, you know, straight to come dancing and so forth. And we said, oh, we tried tango dancing. And, and when we looked it up, there was a good tango community. You know, there's classes in the Metro Hotel. And there was uh, Argentinian teachers teaching it um, there. So that's where we started. And we started just before COVID um, in October 2019. And then when COVID came along, like everything went on hold and everything stopped. So then we said, well, what will we do? But of course, like everything else, like uh, with, with Zoom, everything moved online. Mm. And some friend of ours basically introduced us to a lovely couple, Hugo Patin and Selena Rotundo, who are Argentinian couple living in Dallas and Texas. And we did Zoom classes with them. Really? And we, 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 we did that for two years, about two, two days a week for two years. And Hugo Selena quite worked. How do you do a dance class over Zoom? That's fascinating. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, 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 it's um, you know, it's fair, fair use to the, the teachers. It can really break it down into simple terms for beginners, you know, to break it down into a sequence um of steps to get people going and um like so we did that for i'd say two two days a week probably for the best part of one and a half two years you know but definitely after six months i mean you're you're you you know the basics um but then after six months i mean uh you'd be better to kind of go to have physical contact in a ballroom but yeah. obviously with covid with you no know, two years we just kept it online but yeah. we were really lucky to to meet ugo selena because they were famous Dance, you know, like what I would say is like Formula One dancing, like real wow. high level dancing. You know, these people they dance in front of orchestras. I mean, Hugo Selena dance yeah, in front I've seen, of. I've seen videos of, of people yeah, doing yeah. that. Yeah. You you mentioned that it used to be considered sort of old people's stuff, but it's not. A lot of young people are getting into yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, but see, so when people think of tango, they think of the slow tango, and that, that's true. So, like, at our social event uh, that we have every fortnight on a Friday, like the Malonga social, right, um, it's broken down into what we call tandas. 
And so a tanda can be a, 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 um, a tango, tanda so it's three sets of tango mm. and then the next the next one is a malanga dance and malanga dance is faster it would be like um like salsa dancing mm. it would be that fast read fast and this is where like uh, people okay you'd be surprised of like how much you sweat and how much you how much physical exercise you do and then of course the third one then would be the tango vals which is really the waltz you know mm. the classical waltz one two three really fast and waltz, so yeah. there's all yeah 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 and fast and smooth so it has something for everybody and as i said like there's people from all age groups all the way from college kids all the way up to retirees and uh, pensioners and so forth so there's something for everybody but uh, one thing I do say is that it seems to attract a lot more women than men. So we definitely we <laughs> we're trying men. to get more men to join. Yeah. And so any any guys out there, you know, you know, dancing is the way to beat all the women. You know, if you're young, free <laughs> okay. and single, they're ready to mingle. You, you have classes starting, do you? We do. So next Sunday, we're kicking off for 2024. Our, our classes start in the Ballinlock Cannon Horgan Youth Hall in Ballinlock at half past five every Sunday, half five to seven o'clock. Mm. And then after seven o'clock, uh, the kind of more advanced dancers come in to kind of help the beginners, you know, to keep the momentum going. Right. And what we call is a practica to practice what you've learned. And, you know, definitely you, like after one, after one or two classes, definitely you, you know. And what opportunity then once you've learned, I mean, clearly yourself and, and then, and your other half are good now and you're teaching and everything. Where does one go then to show off one's skills other than the class? Yeah. So every Friday fortnight, um, we have uh, what's called uh, a malonga, which is, is Spanish for uh, Argentine party. So basically, at the, we go to the cricket club every fortnight. Oh, nice. So a part of the part for a party is that people bring along food like empanadas or what kind of kind of um, Argentinian pastries or other food like that. Right, and right, right. people have the bar and the cricket club, you know. So and then they have the whole social scene, and that's where you kind of like practice your your moves. And, and is that with a live band know? or would it be with me with recorded music? Um, it would be with a DJ. Okay, um, cool. But um, the good thing about when you ha- learn these uh, tango skill, I mean, it travels everywhere. I mean. We have uh, you know, people travel to Waterford, to Dublin, to Galway, to Belfast, and across the water, you know. So even for myself, when I'm traveling with work, you know, I go to places like Germany or Denmark, you know. You just look up on Facebook, you know, for a local malanga, and you just go there, go there dancing. And some of them have orchestras playing and, you know, wow. and I know, you know. And wow. uh, right. yeah, the sky's so, so if anybody's interested in getting started, half five next Sunday in Cannon Horgan Youth Hall in Ballinlock. It's a fine facility, great space there, actually. Yeah, fine floor and uh, plenty of people and a lot of beginners starting there too. So don't feel like you're the only beginner. So like you know, okay. CorkTango.com or CorkTango on Facebook. If you want to find out more and contact Morgan. Morgan Fitzgibbon, thank you. Thanks, PJ. Have a good time. Thank you. Have a good year. Tangoing your way around the city and county. Malonga. I used to think Malonga was a kind of a jelly with ice cream on it, but apparently not. 0818-969696. Coming back to the Eurovision and Olivia's call for it to be boycotted by RTE and therefore by Ireland. I think you need to think, you need to think that people, no matter 
their, what their opinion on the conflict are just revulsed by the sight of innocent children slaughtered. Why wouldn't we stand up for what's right? I would hope the Irish government would do that too. Thanks, Bernie. 0818 Certainly there is a feeling out there, I think, a sense, there's a feeling out there that Ireland should not take part in this year's Eurovision because Israel is there, or that the EBU, the organisers, should turn around to Israel and say, well, seeing as you're doing what you're doing in Gaza, uh, you're not welcome to this year's Eurovision Song Contest. Either one has carried an amount of favour, I think, with people. 0818-969696. Hi there, Troy Tuberty here. Be part of my new adventure this Sunday on Cork's 96FM. Cork's 96FM. I'll have something for everyone with a mixture of conversation, laughter and great music. Talk to you this Sunday from 10am. The Ryan Tuberty Show on Sunday in association with High and I. For every kind of driver, there's a High and I. Find yours at highandi.ie. Cork's 96FM. The greatest football league on earth is here. With the, the Premier League Live, powered by Talk Sport. Go to 96fm.ie to join me, Trevor Welch, for all the action. Energy. This Saturday, it's a clash in the capital as Chelsea take on fellow Londoners Fulham at 12.30. Then, Newcastle will look to shake up the title race when they welcome Man City at 5.30. The Premier League Live with Harvey Norman, your home of the big screen. Listen exclusively online every Saturday. Download the Cork's 96FM app or get the stream at 96FM.ie. Join the conversation. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96FM. Now, if a tango isn't your thing, you might want to try jiving. That's, yeah, like they used to do back in the old Bill Haley and the Comets. Rock and roll jiving days back in the 50s and 60s and 70s. Rock and roll dancing is effectively what it is. Tom Jive. Morning, sir. Hi, PJ. How are you? Hi, it's it's on a resurgence. People are choosing loads, choosing to get involved and learn and do it. Yes, yeah, it sure is. Yeah, it's like a new craze again. That's that's sitting in the country. A bit like line dancing was some years ago or God, whatever. Yeah, like I'm mad into the jiving. I remember, I remember line dancing. I almost cringe when I remember line dancing. But there's a lot of it out there. So when did you start jiving? Oh, I, I'm dying for years. I was in London when I first started jiving in the in the Irish clubs in London, mm-hmm. and uh, and then I like I think like the, um, your last week, you know, once you've got a, a feel for it and a liking, you'll go around and you just want a bit more of it, you know. And mm-hmm. there were lots of other dance clubs and rock and roll, Lindy Hop, Charleston clubs in London, and uh, I loved them all, PJ, you know, and yeah. I just I got into it. Twas the way people danced. I mentioned them, Bill Haley and the Comets, and I know there's like that way back in the 50s, 60s and 70s. It kind of died out a bit, though, didn't it? It did, it did. It went through a phase of, yeah, but there was always the clubs that you could go to, you know, like your, the last that you were on about the tango. And, like, if you're interested, you'll always find the place to go to. Yeah. Um, um, but, yes, it did go down a little bit, especially kind of in Ireland. Disco came on the scene and... Yeah. Uh, the, the, the priests didn't like jive dancing either, did they? It was it was attack from the pulpit, I think, during Elvis Presley's time. Uh, so, so I'm getting very close. <laughs> we're, 
Gyrating. That's right. Gyrating. They're out there gyrating. But again, looking at video, it's fabulously skilled. And there are some brilliant videos online of people in their 80s gyrating. Mm. Yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of dancing is like the rhythm as well and timing. Mm. You know, it isn't all just spinning your partner and like that. It, a lot of it is just timing. And that's why I do a lot of my classes is get your timing right. Mm. Make sure you look good jiving, you know. And a lot of these have a lovely rhythm and they've learned lovely, lovely little styles. Yeah. Um, yeah. What ages of people are you seeing coming for a class? Well, in the last couple of years, I mean, my age group now generally, it used to be, you know, from 50 plus. Now it's between 25 to 45. Really? Age group, 25 to 40, it would be 90% of my class now. Right. Um, and, yeah. and then when you've got the classes and you've learned the steps, as it were, where do you go to for an old jive? Yeah, yeah, good question. You know, Mel, again, you'll always find a place if you want it. You know what I mean? There are you know, halls and social dancing that people can go to. Um, uh, you know, you will find them. But a lot of people as well, remember, they come to, not just mine, they do their four-week drive course with me and they didn't have enough of the basics that if they're ever at a wedding mm. um, or a social function, they can jump up and trophy shapes. You know what I mean? They've <laughs> learned enough yeah. in yeah. those four weeks. Well, they had your confidence that any anywhere you'll ever go to, I, I, I know enough uh, after spending so many years as, as a jobbing DJ doing weddings and functions around the place. You can jive if you know what you're doing. You can jive to pretty much anything. You can indeed. You can. You, when once you have the basics, you forget that. It's once you have the basics. That's ninety percent of it. Yeah. You know, it's like once you learn how to drive a car. Like for most people, that's enough. Yeah. They are not going to go into, uh, you know, hot rod or they're not going to be Grand Prix drivers. They just want to learn how to drive a car. Some people with the jive and dancing, they want to learn how to jive. They have a skill for life, you yes. know. Um, and for a lot of people, that's as much as they want. And it is great. And they're out with their night with their friends. They go, oh, I'm out in Tenerife at a bar, jump up, <laughs> hear the music. And away you go. And away you go. And it, look, it, it does look cool when it's done well. It looks fab. A bit like tango, but when jiving is done well, it's, it's, it's marvellous. Where can people find you, Tom, if they want to look for a class? Yeah, yeah. I'm in Bastardy and Bell and Hassig on, on, on Sunday in the Marion Hall at half four. Uh, but they'll see me on my website, tomjive.com, or on my Facebook. Facebook page. All right. Tomjive, tomjive.com, and tomjive on Facebook. Thank you. Jiving. Um, it, it, if you learn to jive, I've seen enough of this. If you can learn to jive, you can jive to anything. Me? No. Oh, I can't. Oh, wait, 1896. That's the reason why I spent all those years behind the music. Alexandra, you got tango lessons for your wedding. Hi, PJ. How are you? Yes, we did. Myself and my husband got married five years ago, and we wanted to do something different for our uh, first dance. Yeah. So we decided on a tango. Mm. And did you do the slow one or the fast one? Or what did you do? Um, we kind of wanted a bit of a, um, a routine because it was our very, very, very first time uh, doing, taking any uh, tango dances. So we were like complete beginners. <laughs> right. And so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even sure if it was a slow or a fast. We, the song we chose was Por Una Cabeza. 
it's like the one from The Godfather. You probably oh, yeah. know it. Oh yeah, I do. So yeah. It's a, it's, yeah, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful song. So we kind of asked the um, the tango teachers to do a choreography, let's say, more or less, um, for us that we could kind of follow. So I think it was a bit of a mixture of some faster moves, some slower moves. He worked very well um, with us. And it went down really well. And did your guests know you were going to do it? Say that again, please. Did your wedding guests know that you were going to do it? No, it was a surprise. So when we came on, like, I changed my outfit as well. So instead of, I took off my wedding dress and I put on a red tango dress. Wow. (laughs) And uh, my husband took his jacket. He was just in his shirt and he had, like, a red rose in in his teeth. It was was kind of... (laughs) Fun. I I hope you've got that on video. We do, we do. And like we have such a laugh every time we look at it. So it was a very big surprise for our guests as well. And they all started uh, um, like applauding and stuff. Brilliant. And And you'd like to take it up. You'd like to do more of it, would you? Yes. I kind of forgot, you know, like we were so into it then for the wedding and stuff. And then, well, I kind of got pregnant straight after the wedding. So life kind of took a, a, a toll on its own. But yeah. now that the kids are slightly, slightly bigger, I was thinking, oh, I love that. I would love to take that back on. Okay. Well, well, tangocork.com is the website. And you can go to Morgan's classes through that. Excellent. Thank you so much because it was so, so fun. And I actually remember going to some meetups uh, before taking the private lessons, but they were just weren't, you know, like some people there, the level was just something else, you know, like you could tell they, they've been going for some time um, while we were just complete, complete, complete beginners. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask, your accent is beautiful, Alexandra. Where, where are you from? Oh, I'm from uh, Romania. We started before. Uh, we did ah before Christmas. Yes, you were you were <laughs> collecting toys and books, weren't you? Yes, I was. I was. How did that I go? Was. How did that go for you, by the way? It went very, very well. Uh, better than we expected. So we did two over two days. We did like a Christmas jumper day, and then the second day we had the Christmas toy sale with uh, a raffle as well. Sure. So in total we raised nine hundred and fifty euros. For Brilliant. Cork who knows? Who knows? Next year you might even have a Christmas tango day. Wouldn't it be fun? Imagine. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm giving you a day. <laughs> Alexandra, lovely. Alexandria, lovely talking to you again. She's from Romania. I remember the voice. Gorgeous accent. We did talk before Christmas. So wants to learn tango. And you know from her voice, don't you, that she has rhythm in her. You just do. Uh, Morgan's classes, you'll find them at tangocork.com. Thank you, Alexandria. And I've no doubt we'll talk again. 0818-96-96-96. I can only ever remember trying to do a little bit of Kaylee dancing in Cree Street with Shami Langford and Martino Fahig and... Jim Kremen and them for this long go. I wasn't good at that, and I don't think I'd be good at tango either. <laughs> I just happened to sit down and just sit down and watch people dance. 0818 96 96 96. Just came back to the Irish language, and uh, Jane, Grelga led Jane on TikTok, and there's loads of other TikTokers doing Irish language. We spoke to Vivienne who's in uh, New York. We spoke to her before Christmas. There's also Gail Gagal, who's based in 
Sydney, and there's Aideen Fitzmorris, um, who does TikTok, uh, Irish stuff, and she has 122,000 followers. It's absolutely huge. And I played you this little clip from one of Jane's videos. I mentioned it's nice and sweet and this message says Hi girl, hi Paige, that girl Jane has such a gentle soothing voice I could listen to her all day we'll podcast it later so you can listen again so soothing she'd calm down the wildest person and Shona was commenting on the fact that you know, there were those of years ago those people who said Irish is dead let it die well clearly TikTok thinks otherwise and loads of people think otherwise and she was like great chat with Jane she said there are pop up pop up Kayleys and pop up Irish classes all over the United States pop up Gwaithocks all over the United States and <laughs> like um they're just everywhere. And she taught Irish at the University of Montana. So the, our language is bigger than we think, I firmly believe. Morning, PJ, says Shona. I totally agree. It's a beautiful language. It was nearly taken from us. It's vital. It's kept alive. It, alive. it defines us and our traditions. We have to keep it. I'm very, very proud of it. I used to occasionally drop the odd cupola focal in from time to time. Uh, I might start doing it again, just for fun. Throw it in, you know, Coupla Fuckle Salah. You'd never know. I might. Or I mightn't. 0818-969696. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. Your afternoon soundtrack with the biggest tunes from your favourite artists, plenty of giveaways and all things Cork from 12 on Cork's 96FM. Join the conversation. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. This is the Opinion Live with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96FM. All right, quick reminder to you because I'll forget if I don't tell you. The Premier League Live is back. Uh, this weekend on Cork's 96FM. Live coverage of uh, Chelsea versus Fulham at 12.30 and then Newcastle against Manchester City at 5.30 Saturday, of course. All the other reports from around the grounds, all the action as it happens. Premier League Live online brought to you by Harvey Norman. Your home of the big screen. You're listening Saturday on the Cork's 96FM app or at 96FM. Dot I.E. Interested in something I picked up in the paper, The Independent, actually. Uh, Mary Kenny was writing about a book, just in the, in the context of my daughter gone off for a year. She's back at Christmas. I'm counting the days already. But um, talking about the things you do in your 20s, that your 20s are the most important years of your life. And what you do in your 20s sets the bar for most of the rest of your life. This is uh, a psychologist called Meg J. Mary Kenny, writing about it in The Independent. She says, the human brain, this is according to Meg J, is at its most exciting stage of development between 20 and 30. It can learn more and absorb more in that decade than it ever will after. Personality changes faster, develops more richly. Most of the consequential life decisions you'll make will have been made by the age of 35. So think seriously about what you want to do 
when you're in your 20s. There's, it's much easier to have fun in your 20s now, she says, because there's reliable birth control, there's better education, so you can take it nice and handy, dip in and out of jobs, learn about the world around you, go travel, and leave the serious stuff for later. But you can maybe be sterner with it. She says they're the best years of your lives, don't waste them. Your twenties, your twenties, according to this psychologist in the states, are the most are the year, the years that will define the rest of your life. What you do in your twenties will define the rest of your life. And I, I look back in it now, and in in the context of Gemma gone off, and I, one of the things I said to her before she went, was go and do what I didn't, because when I was in my mid twenties, I had an opportunity. I had someone willing to offer me work, willing to offer me work in radio, actually, in Australia. And I applied for a visa. I've never said this on air before. I applied for a visa and I was, and the Queen Bee was was ready to give it a, a cut with me at the time. And I was about six or seven days too old for the visa, believe it or not, at just 26 years of age. And of course, what you do now is you'd ring the embassy and say, is there another scheme I can get in under? That was, and that changed and flipped everything for me because had I gone, I don't know whether I'd come back. I really don't know. It was a different world then. Very different world then. But that was in, the, in my, in my mid twenties. So that's why I'm so enthused about them going away. But this article where the things you do, and if you have children in their twenties or siblings in their twenties or if you're in your twenties, these are the most important, this, according to psychologists, the most important decade of your life. The way you spend these 10 years will define how the rest of your life works out. It's nice, isn't it? 0818 96 96 96. Now, we're going to talk about the Irish language during the morning. And one of the first things we all learned was, And we had to do it when we were like, And we still do it, I believe, in school. You know, just kind of, and you're hoping to be let. Come on, let's kill. Yeah. Um, Jennifer Horgan's been writing about this in uh, The Examiner. She is, of course, their education uh, correspondent, but a, a teacher also. And Jennifer, you reckon it's, it's about time to do away with that, that children really kind of shouldn't have to ask permission to go to the toilet anymore. You're not in favour of doing away with all rules, are you? Good morning. Morning, PJ. How are you? Good. No, I don't think so. I think you're right. You know, there's rules make it sim- simpler for all of us. Um, and I think actually children need clear boundaries and they get more anxious, you know, if they don't have those boundaries. So I'm not against rules at all, but I suppose I'm, I think that we should never let rules go on for decades without questioning them and without reflecting on whether or not they're worthwhile or, uh, you know, still relevant. Like we, like schools should change along with the rest of society. And I sometimes worry that there's a tendency for us to just carry on as things always were when it comes to school. I'm conscious of the fact that you are also a teacher yourself. So what's your own yes. experience with regard to Gamal Well, when it comes to 
toileting, I have to say, I'm uncomfortable with particularly senior students asking me, can they go to the toilet? Because I just feel like it's, you know, it's a natural thing that that I don't really feel I should have all that much involvement in. I mean, as a professional, if I notice that a student is going very regularly or is going for long periods of time, then that's a cause for concern. And I'll talk to my fellow teachers and we'll see if there's something going on there. You know, it might be a, there might be something going on that we need to keep an eye on. But, you know, going to the toilet, no problem. Just give me a nod and off you go, you know. Um and I like schools have actual rules that, you know, won't allow students go to the toilet in between classes. Like I would say for me personally, I would struggle with that. I, I tend to go to the toilet a lot, you know, mm-hmm. um, maybe it's after three babies, but like uh, that kind of policing of, of, of toileting, I just, I just don't see mm. how well, you can really stand by it. Well, the idea that if I have the first class of the afternoon, we'll say, and you have the second that Johnny should be allowed to wander out between class to the toilet without having permission from anybody. Well, Johnny, if he's reasonable about it, he'll go quickly and he'll get back to the class. He might be a couple of minutes late, but it's kind of the broader, you know, the student, you know, and if the student is respectful and nice and you know that they're not trying to avoid class, that's the job. Like as a teacher, you should know your students. So you'll know if there's something more going on and if, and if Johnny is just trying to avoid coming to class or if there's something, you know, you know that from knowing your student. So like the blanket rule of no toilet between classes, it's the thing for me with school rules is I question them when they're fear based, when it's like, well, if we don't have this rule, they'll, you know, run amok and we'll have no control whatsoever. Um, And I don't like it when it's applied because of the worst case scenario or the, with the worst student in mind. I think that we should be optimistic about students and, and, you know, expect the best for them for, from them, but also give them uh, the the supports they need. So it's like high expectations, high supports, and you'll get the best from them. If you're always thinking the worst of them, and you're always you know suspecting every move, or you know, I just I just don't think you kind of you get an atmosphere of respect. I remember in my own school days, we learned as young lads, you put your hand up for the teacher and same with catacomb to go to the letters. It was a training for a life when. You were interrupting a formality for a personal function, if you were. And so you saw that as a bad thing? No, I didn't actually. I didn't like having to ask permission, but I understood why. Because when I got on to later life, I realized that, well, you can't actually come and go as you please. Even here in the office, if I'm having a meeting, I'll say, listen, lads, I really need to get out to the jacks. I'll be back in a minute. That all right? Yeah, I suppose there's two things there. I mean, I don't see the school as a training ground for the workplace. Okay. I know that's how people see schools often. I think schools are entirely different. What I would say is that if if you if you're not too sort of strict about the toileting thing, in my experience, I haven't seen students taking advantage of it. Right. I think they get it that it's not ideal for them to be missing class. So for the most part, they do want to stay in the room. But something else I notice more and more is that there are students who are self-regulating through going to the bathroom. These are students who may be neurodivergent and they don't necessarily want SNA support. They don't necessarily want it to be officially recognised, but they very cleverly will just use a toilet break every so often to regulate themselves. And I can see them doing it and they're learning how to do it and they're self-managing. So... I actually see benefits to it sometimes. Okay, yeah. Um, I suppose rules do change. And take one, for example, like you can't come to school with blue hair. Is the school not entitled to impose dress and appearance codes, standards? 
Well, what would be the reasoning? Because society okay. will impose standards upon us when we're... This is thinking back of my own school days to rules I hated mm-hmm. at the time. But mm. now I look back at them, Jennifer, and I think, actually, it wasn't mad. Because society imposes rules. I mightn't like those rules, but I learned to deal with them. I learned to comply with them, if you want, when I was in school. I suppose, again, I think times have changed in terms of expectations of dress and appearance. Mm. Um, Very few people now go to work in very formal dress. There's a lot of people who work from home or who work in circumstances where actually the colour of their hair isn't that big a deal. Um, It's unusual now to see uh, tattoos, for instance, are everywhere. You know, people are much freer in how they're expressing themselves nowadays. Um, And I also think... What I like, like I've worked in schools where there were really strict codes on appearance and I've worked in schools where they were like relaxed in terms of the colour of the hair or piercings or whatever. Um, what I've learned as a teacher is not to judge on appearances. And actually, yeah. I genuinely think it's broadened my heart. <laughs> you know, I don't right. I don't look at people who have piercings or a particular colour hair and I don't think the worst of them. I just see them as people expressing themselves. And again, I don't see school as just a training ground for real life. And yes, we all have to abide by certain rules and um, there are standards. But I suppose when you're older, you get to choose more the world you're in. You know, you decide to go down a particular path or, you know, work in a particular area. When you're a child, you've you've very little choice. Okay, You're going to school. There's no two ways about it. Um, So I see the imposition as being more oppressive if it's in a school scenario. There's a tendency to rebel. Yes, it's part of... It's part of it, isn't it? It's a lovely part of it. Like they're meant to, those boundaries have to be there. So I'm not against rules, but they're meant to push up against those rules. And I think it's a wonderful time of your life. That's something to celebrate. And I love being around that. Yeah. I've no doubt in 10, 15 years, their blue hair may have gone back to brown, you know. Um, <laughs> oh, it will, I of course. Possibly it, even before next will. year. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And I, as long as it's not getting in the way of their learning, as long as they're kind they're treating me and their fellow students with respect. I, jo- I don't think the colour of their hair is any of my business. Here's a strange thing. Uh, I might come across as an old fogey with regard to Gamal Ashkel and all the Lehera stuff, but I would be with you on this. I don't really care if the hair is blue or the shoes are white rather than black. I don't really mm. care as long as that kid is performing in my maths class or my French class or my English class. Exactly. And the shoe thing, I mean, there's whole other issues there and they're like, you know, the, the, the cost of the shoes or the, the yeah. convenience of the, I mean, I, I think that's just going way too far. And I also, there were stories during COVID where schools weren't letting kids wear their coats right. indoors when we had, remember, we had all the windows open, it was freezing I remember, cold. I and because they weren't school bought, you know, specific coats, they weren't allowed to wear them. That's like where you're losing Mm-hmm. Any reasoning in the rules, you know, that it's you're, you've just lost it. You, you, you've forgotten to question what you're doing. Times, yeah, they, no, times uh, they average. And I know that even, even school rooms are changing now. The toilet is often down at the back. That should make the toileting easier anyway, shouldn't it? In primary schools, they have the toilets. Yeah, in the, in the classroom. And I love, like in my daughter's classroom, I know that when someone's going to the toilet, all they do is they get a teddy bear. And right. they put the teddy bear at their desk and it, they don't talk to the, they don't have to mention it to the teacher, but it's just that everyone knows, you know, that girl is in the toilet and, and, and when the teddy bear is being used, nobody else can go and they manage it themselves and it's not a big deal. That's the cutest um, idea I've heard all day. It's lovely, isn't it? It's, it's something yeah. we'll put out there and see what people think. Jennifer, thank you. Thanks, PJ. Cheers. Jennifer Horgan, the examiner. The times they were changing in schools 
Um, Jennifer reckons that senior students anyway should not have to ask for permission to go to the toilet and their teachers should trust them to just be mature enough to go do their business and come back and not disrupt the class. And sometimes even the, the smallies now have a toilet down the back of the class. They just they just head off and, and do their own thing. Happy to reopen that one in the morning because I think people, parents of smaller children might have a view on that. Uh, 0818969696. You can email us opinion at 96mm.ie. Uh, we'll bring, if there's a demand for us to return to it tomorrow, then we'll certainly do so. Lorraine and Ross are back in the morning tomorrow from 6 a.m. on Cork's 96 FM. Three rounds of the two grand minute because it's Friday. Uh, you choose the tunes. I love this one. Battle of the Bangers. They've great fun with that. There's an update on their Fitbit. And earlier this morning, they were celebrating, would you believe it, the 17th birthday of the iPhone. Have a listen to this. This is the first ever announcement about the first iPhone. Today, we're introducing the revolutionary mobile phone. Hundreds of people. Nerdvana. Losing their minds (laughs) over a new mobile phone. Yeah. I would love if they did this for other products. Like washing machines. If you've got thousands of people in the one place, just get really excited. It's got a 4kg drum, everybody. <laughs> washing machines will now live forever with Calgon. Lorraine and Ross in the morning. Weekdays from 6am. Forks 96FM. It all starts again tomorrow morning just after 6. That's it for most for today. Program edited by Imro Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. All of your podcasts will be up ASAP. We'll talk to you for Friday just after 9. Join the conversation. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96FM. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.